I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, we have our first business show reality star, maybe superstar to be. We have we have Michael De Los Santos, otherwise known as Mike D, and runs a, a business, I should say, Mike D's Barbecue in concert with his wife, Gloria. On the show today, we talk about the Discovery Channel show that Mike is a part of called I Quit, which premiered on Tuesday, August 18th, and is running currently at the time we were recording this. You may think to yourself, why a reality show business? I think we can learn a lot from Mike today about how he approaches marketing, what inspired him to get involved in the business in the first place, and the twists and turns in his life and career. So I hope you enjoy this show with Mike D's Barbecue. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on. I know you're in my former hometown of Durham, North Carolina. I recently moved, but where, where did you grow up? So I kind of grew up all over the place. Uh, the longest time I spent anywhere would have been in Richmond, Virginia, though. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, what brought you to Durham? Yeah, so we came to Durham, my wife and I, back in 2007. We both moved here for work. Uh, the place that we both working at at the time was opening new offices in the state. And that's what brought us here. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And for listeners listening, um, this is a little unusual. I'm, I'm interviewing a business reality show <laughs> star, if you will. And uh, you're being profiled on the Discovery Channel series called I Quit. It premiered on Tuesday, August 18th. Did you always dream of being a reality TV celebrity, Mike? <laughs> I never dreamed of being a reality TV celebrity. I'm a person who doesn't even like cameras, so that was never anything that I thought about ever doing. <laughs> well, we won't we won't tell anyone that I, that I have your arm behind your back making you do this recording with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's just you and you are my and your secret, okay? All right. All right. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about the business. So, you're you're on this TV show called I Quit from Discovery. Tell me about Mike D's Barbecue. What's this business about and, and when did you start? Yeah, so Mike D's Barbecue is a line of barbecue sauces and dry rubs, an award-winning line of barbecue sauces and dry rubs. And you have a couple of flavors, spicy and mild, for both the sauce and the dry rubs. Uh, kind of use some unique flavors, tying uh, my African-American and Hispanic heritage to create a unique flavor profile. We've been around for it'll be seven years in December. So we started, we got our paperwork officially filed in December of 2013, launched our first product in 2014 and have been rolling ever since. Got it. What was the spark for the business? What was it about barbecue sauces and spices that drew you to it? Yeah. So I've always been kind of a barbecue junkie. Like I love barbecue, you know, even growing up in Richmond where at the time bar didn't have like a big barbecue uh, culture, but folks who sort of lived where I lived in, in Virginia would drive down to North Carolina to Roanoke Rapids to a place called Ralph's Barbecue. And that was kind of my introduction to a real barbecue and particularly North Carolina barbecue. And when I kind of fell in love with it. And so since then, I had just always become this barbecue junkie and I would make my own sauces and rubs because that's really, you know, what makes the meat, you know, you want to, you know, when you're smoking meat, even grilling meat, you know, that fire and smoke add flavor, but to take it over the top, you know, you need some good rub. And for folks who want some sauce, they want something that's really good and flavorful, but doesn't overpower the, the flavor of the natural meat. And so that's kind of why it was sauces and rubs, right? It was sort of my passion. I started to make my own versions of sauces and rubs instead of buying them at the store. And that's kind of how we, we grew from there. Got it. And I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm biased having grown up in North Carolina and it's the best barbecue ever, but there's a lot of barbecues around the country. And have you experimented with different styles of barbecue sauces and spices? Are you inspired by a certain region? I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. So I, you know, I love all regions of barbecue cause it's, it's all good, but I do think North Carolina is the best. And so for me, as I was building my sauces and rubs, I was trying to uh, kind of stay true to North Carolina and then try to bridge parts of North Carolina. Cause as you know, from having lived here, there's kind of, you know, the Eastern North Carolina to North Carolina each have their own styles of sauces and how they flavor their foods. The Western part of the state being more influenced by sort of the Midwest, where there's a more tomato-based sauce and the Eastern part of the state being a more vinegar-based sauce. And so I was trying to figure out a way to combine the best of both worlds and bring, keep the people who like vinegar happy, keep the people who like tomato happy while still having some good flavor. And it's just part of how I view barbecue, right? Because I always view barbecue as kind of the thing that can bring about world peace, right? There's something about meat and vegetables over an open flame or in a smoke box that just brings people together. And so my products, I want to try to bring North Carolina together. I create hybrid sauce that combines vinegar and tomato, kind of like a Lexington style sauce, which is in like the middle part of the state, but sort of a little bit different, adding in some of my own unique 
flavored twist to it. And so that's, you know, trying to stay true to North Carolina, but then also kind of bridge North Carolina together. Got it. Got it. Well, I am probably most likely, I, I don't know what this says about me, but I'm probably more on the vinegar side than the tomato side of North Carolina, even though I grew up not that far from Lexington and there is definitely good barbecue. I can respect the, the tomato side, but it is funny because living in North Carolina, for those that don't know that are listening to this, there's t-shirts made where you basically pick the side of the state that you live on that defines who you are. <laughs> so Mike, this is no easy task to bridge a state divided with regards to their barbecue. So we're going to get a little bit deeper into this barbecue sauce aspect in a minute. But before we go there, I want to ask about you and your wife's background. You know, you've been a restaurateur, you've been in food all your life. Where, where'd you get your start? How did this come about? Yeah, so no, we've not been in that space all our lives. So before, you know, we really got into growing our barbecue business, we were both doing sort of social justice advocacy work. Uh, we both worked at we both worked at the same nonprofits for most of our careers. Uh, we met at a job training for one of our progressive nonprofits that we were working for at the time. And so we've always just kind of been fighting for economic justice. You know, I was doing affordable housing and uh, bank accountability and economic justice campaigns while my wife's always worked on gender equity campaigns and healthcare campaigns and trying to build women's empowerment. And so that's, that's the space that we came from, and which has nothing to do with barbecue whatsoever. As I said before, I, so the way I see barbecue as it can bring people together from all walks of life and all political backgrounds, as being a person who was an organizer in his life, it just feels like there was a natural transition to barbecue in that sense, and that it's something that can bring people together based on some common, some common ground. So you, you see your barbecue as an extension of the work you've been doing, bringing people together, but instead of maybe in the political or policy sense, bringing them together in the, over the table, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's actually can be more effective this way because you can get, it's hard to get people in the room to even talk when they come from different political backgrounds or whatever. But when you have food, you can bring anybody down to the table to sit and talk while they're eating, especially with barbecue. It's definitely for me an extension of the work that we were doing, but allows me to actually get to a place where I can get people from all walks of life to sit down and talk. Yeah, that's really funny because as soon as you trap barbecue signs out on the highway, all walks of life come past <laughs> your place in North Carolina. Doesn't care who you are, rich, poor, old, young, everyone wants a little barbecue. Well, it is a quite a transition from a career standpoint for both you and your wife. And um, I'm just curious, like, has there been anything in particular that was easy or hard about that transition? I would say the only easy thing about the transition is that I love barbecue as much as I love working for social justice. That was probably the only easy part of this. The rest of it is really hard. You know, you're going from having a steady paycheck and knowing what you got to do day to day to just not having a set pay schedule for, for, for income to having to grind for every sort of bit of money that you can pull in to support the business and the family. So it's definitely nothing you know, easy about that part of it is, I mean, the good thing about that though is, you know, Gloria is still working for the nonprofit that she was working for before. And so we still at least have some of our income coming in, which does ease some of that a little bit, but, you know, it's still tons of hours of putting in work, trying to, to grow the business, to get it to the point where it's sustainable for, for both of us uh, and for our kids. Uh, so that's, that's been a hard part. But like I said, the only easy part was that I love this just as much as I love the work I was doing before. Yeah. Well, I mean, that can definitely make, make up the gap. Having started some businesses myself, 
What's it like being in business with your wife? I've done this before. I don't know if you know that. I don't think I shared that when we talked before, but I've been in a business, owned a business, a franchise business with my wife before, and it was probably the toughest experience we've ever gone through together. And I'm just curious if you've had an easier time of it than I have. Yeah, I would say that we probably have an easier time of it only because since 2007, we've worked at the same place. Like our offices have to each other for the last 10 years. Anyway, we've always, like I said, since we've met, we've worked together. And so running a business together, while I still do most of the day-to-day operations for the business and that part of it, uh, she still comes in to help grow the wholesale side and to work events with me before COVID, working events with me and part of opening a store that we're trying to get open. But because we've worked together so much in our careers before this, I think it makes it a little bit easy for us to work together as business owners. Got it. So you to use the marriage analogy, you've been dating together in the office for a long time. <laughs> so <laughs> now, now that you own the office and you've gotten really hitched, uh, you're okay, it sounds like. Yeah, that's, that's a good analogy for it. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Well, let, so let's talk about barbecue sauce a little bit more. I can't, now, now I'm hungry. Like, you're making me hungry. You talked about your roots, your African-American and Hispanic roots as well. How did that factor into the flavors that you're trying to come up with? Did you find something missing in the North Carolina barbecue scene? And that's kind of what drove you down this path? And talk to me about that. Yeah, I'm not sure that anything was missing from the North Carolina barbecue scene. There was just a flavor profile that I was looking for that wasn't there. And I love Hispanic food and Hispanic flavors. And I wanted to make, I wanted a barbecue that had a little Hispanic twist to it. And that didn't exist. Like the rubs and the sauces that were out there didn't have you know, any Hispanic flair to them, say. And so I wanted to kind of bring that in, right? There's a lot of, if you go like in the history of barbecue, there's a lot of deep traditions of African-Americans as pit masters and developing the flavors for barbecue joints all over the South. But there's not that same history with incorporating Hispanic Latin flavors into that. And that's what I wanted to do. That's when I was looking for sauces and rubs that I wanted to use. To me, that's what was missing. And I knew that there would be a market of people who would want that as well. And so that's kind of the mindset that went into trying to create the flavors that we use for our, our products. Okay, gotcha. And is there a particular meat that you like barbecuing better than another? Yeah, so, you know, being in North Carolina, I might get some side eyes when I say this the next time I or people see me after they hear this. But I actually, brisket is my favorite thing to smoke and do barbecue with. So I know that's a Texas barbecue thing. Yeah, that you might get kicked out of North Carolina. <laughs> but I I love brisket. That's my favorite thing to smoke. It's my favorite thing to serve. But I still do plenty of plenty of pork. Keep the folks in North Carolina happy. But every time somebody hears that I prefer brisket, I always, I do get some looks from people. <laughs> now I I can enjoy great brisket, but it is not North Carolina barbecue. So I. I can be there with you. You can you can cook your brisket, and I'll be happy to eat it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, what's been the experience working with uh, the show, the I Quit and Discovery Channel? What's it been like so far? Yeah, so it was just it was a really interesting experience, just from the filming process and being a person who doesn't like cameras to then having cameras around a lot and people telling you what to say or just like it was just like a whole. You know, interesting thing, like you would do some stuff that they'd be filming you on and then you'd have, you know, if they couldn't hear it well enough, you know, repeating it so they could do it again. 
uh, to make sure that they got the sound right. Uh, that was just like an interesting process to begin with. But then, you know, as you go, you kind of just grow. Like I felt like from somebody who didn't like being on camera to then have filming for a year, I'm much more comfortable on camera now, which has done a lot for me in terms of the business to make sure I can do good videos for my followers on social media. And then even working with, you know, the the mentors throughout the show, right? Just giving me some good advice, range of topics about putting myself out there, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. There's all the little things that sometimes might get overlooked when you're starting a business and people who have been doing it for a long time know better than you. So just that experience, you know, combined with sort of the personal growth of dealing with cameras and uh, sound people uh, and producers, right? That all that growth just made you know, made for you know an interesting year last year, and seeing some good results from that this year. That's awesome. You mentioned the the mentors or the advisors, and you've got kind of a obviously a star studded group. You've got if I've got my notes right, Harley Finkelstein from Shopify. You got Debbie Sterling from uh, Goldie Blocks, and you got Trisha Clark Stone um, from WP Narrative on the marketing and agency side. What was it like working with those three individuals? You know, it was really interesting as a person who is naturally kind of an introvert to then have, you know, three much more outgoing people and a lot more successful people coming to talk to you about business was a little daunting at first, but then you just, you know, I think what often happens is when you're sort of put off by people or worried about people and then you meet them and things go completely different than you thought they might go. It was the same with these three where you have have some preconceived notions of what it's like to work with people who are this successful in life. But they were just, they were great down to earth and willing to sort of talk to you in a way that helped guide you in, in the way that you need to go forward. And I think some of the lessons that I've learned from them through this process has been really helpful. As COVID hit in 2020 and kind of with everything to spin, you're able to sort of rely on some of the lessons and some of the points that they were able to talk to us about during during the filming. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. And I mean, um, I'm sure just to pick on one, the Shopify, Harley, I would imagine their business has just been booming during the, uh, the pandemic, frankly, as people try to pivot to online commerce that might have had a, a retail location before. He's probably got loads and loads of stories. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, being able to pivot is one of the things that they talked about uh, while we were filming. And, and like, you got to be able to pivot when things aren't working. And COVID was just a perfect example of that, you know, retail stores needing to pivot to find a way to go online. And Shopify is a great place to do that. And so I'm sure that things have been going really well for them in terms of all these folks who now need to have an online presence looking for a place, to, a platform to do that on. Yeah, I probably shouldn't ask this, but did you have a favorite mentor? <laughs> I'll say Harley. And not, uh, I love all three of them. and They were all great. But just Harley and I were like such opposites. Like he is such a ball of energy. And I'm not always that much of an energy person, right? I'm a I'm laid back. I'm in North Carolina, right? We're laid back. And so just sort of like his energy, but like you can feed off of his energy, right? And like I have to, or else you'll get lost in the conversation. And so I'd say this the, being able to feed off of his energy and sort of his passion for seeing entrepreneurs grow just was really, was really powerful. Yeah. I was, I was watching the intro and um, you can just sense his energy coming through as well. He just reminds me of somebody that probably has a hard time just sitting still like in front of the camera, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I could see, I could sense what you're talking about already. Well, you left your job, you started this barbecue company. Uh, or barbecue sauce and, and rubs company, 
And when did you know you had a business, right? Like when, when was the moment? Maybe it came before you quit, but like, I'm just curious, like what was it that said, hey, I think I've got a real business here. Yeah, so I think the first time I had any inkling that I might have had a business is when I actually made my first sale, right? So the first time somebody paid me for something that I created uh, was kind of like, wow, that feels really good. Maybe I'm onto something here. Um, and then just as like sales kept growing, but I think what really hit was the first time one of our products won an award. And to me, hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. That was like, we're, we're on to something now because not only are our sales growing, but now we're starting to win awards. And I think this is really going to be something that can go somewhere. And so I think once the awards started to come into play, it really helped me sort of solidify that we were onto something. And if we can keep winning awards and keep the sales growing, that this could really be something that could take off and become a national brand. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And you guys, I was looking at your website there. You've definitely won a number of awards. Um, so congrats on that. And that third party validation, I'm sure helps marketing the, the sauce as, as well. How is business today? It's not easy for small businesses out there right now. Yeah, no, it's not easy for small businesses right now, but business has been good for us. Because we had already an online presence, it was easy for us to pivot in March as things had to shut down to capture online sales and kind of continue to grow the online market. Big part of our revenue has always been direct-to-consumer events, being like outside at festivals and big events selling direct-to-consumer. That was still heading into this year, about 60% of our revenue. So that was, I was really worried about that as all those events started getting shut down because of the pandemic. But like I said, because we were already in a position, we had already been getting about you know 30% of our sales online, that we were in a position to capitalize as people started to change their spending habits. And so you know, we did a little uptick in social media ads, and we have seen online sales have just skyrocketed uh, in 2020. And so that's been helped to stabilize us when other parts of our revenue were going away. The online revenue was helping to keep us going and things have been going really well. And we're getting ready in a couple of days to actually open our own retail store, a barbecue supply store. So things have been going pretty good for us, even in, in a pandemic. Yeah, that's great. You guys are in East Durham, right? Near the cake shop or the pie shop? I can't ever remember. Yeah, yeah. So we're down on Driver Street in East Durham. We're about a block away from the... East Durham Bake Shop. So we're right on right on that same square with them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. This podcast is about marketing. And you just mentioned, you know, your pivot that you made, the increase in social media 
marketing that you're doing or, or marketing or advertising, I should say. How are you thinking about marketing? Yeah, so I tend to think of marketing in two ways. One, what can I do to advertise the market to grow sales? And then also, what can I do to market and advertise in a way that helps grow brand recognition so people know who we are when they see us? So when people walk into a store, if we're in a store and they see us on the shelf and they're not sampling at an event with us, what can make them remember who we are to make them grab us? And that's kind of how I look at marketing sort of in that two phases, one, to get sales and then two, to build that brand awareness so folks know who we are, which inevitably also leads to sales. Gotcha. And what what's worked for you? I mean, obviously events was a big component before the pandemic. You talked about social media, but what's working now? Yes. Yeah, so right now what's working is we've done an uptick in our social media ads that we've been putting out there. That's helped. But also a lot of the brand awareness stuff that we had did, some of the sponsorships we've done have really helped. You know, we the previous three years, we did some sponsorships with Ryan Sieg and the number 39 car in the NASCAR Xfinity series. And NASCAR fans support folks who support their drivers, especially for the folk, for those who are fans of the independently owned teams. And so just the what we put into doing some sponsorship with them and getting on the car has you know built sort of a brand recognition and brand following, which helped when COVID was happening and everything was getting shut down, that folks who were following us because we sponsored their favorite driver were willing to increase what they would be able, what they would order just because they wanted to support the businesses who support their driver. And that's been one thing that's helped is the work that we did in the previous years of building brand recognition outside of North Carolina, just all over the place, has helped to continue to push those sales up. And most people, you know, listening to this are big from big corporate America, big budgets, big marketing budgets. And I don't necessarily always think of a, you know, a smaller guy, so to speak, not that you're small, but smaller business being able to do a sponsorship like NASCAR or, or work with a driver like that. It, was that hard to pull off? It wasn't hard to pull off because they are a smaller independent team. So most people when they think about NASCAR, right? They think about some of the big teams, right? The big money teams where it does cost a lot more and it, the cost would prohibit small teams, small businesses from getting involved in it. But a lot of the smaller independently owned teams, especially in the Xfinity series, you know, one level down from the Cup series, these are family owned teams and they want to work with small businesses because they're a small business and they make it to where there's a, it's a good price point of entry for small businesses to get involved in NASCAR. And, you know, they want to stick with small businesses because they're, like I said, they're a small business as well. And so that, that provides an avenue that most people may not realize for small businesses to get into something like NASCAR. Well, you've got a natural ability to market, and I'm going to tell you why. So like on this show, we have, like I said, the big CMOs. Like I, I just interviewed actually chief brand officer at USAA, and I've had book authors on. And I'm going to tell you why I think you're really you're doing some interesting stuff with marketing is that you've got the nice balance between brand building and more short-term sales-focused tactics. And it's interesting to hear you talk about just the balance that you've got there because that proven out now in the science of marketing that, that I follow, you know, I'm a nerd <laughs> as it relates to, uh, to marketing, that's the right mix. Right. Like and, and finding that right balance. And it's it's funny. I'm glad I'm glad we've had you on talking about marketing today, because I think it's a good wake up call for these big brands that sometimes get caught up in their budgets and the and, you know, short term or measurable results versus making sure that we can balance the two. So just give you some kudos. I, I like how you talk about it. I appreciate that. that. That really gives me a confidence boost because sometimes I don't feel like I know what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> well, sometimes you just got to experiment, right? Like you just got to put, try it, see if it works. You know, when it's your money, a little bit more is on the line than maybe when it's a company's money. So yeah, it's funny. Company money is your money, I should say. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, um, I want to I wanna turn the tables a little bit. We'll get to know you a little bit more as well. One of my favorite questions I ask all the guests that come on is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of things in my past that kind of make me who I am today. Um, you know, one, growing up as a military kid and having to move around a lot makes you have to be able to adjust pretty quickly. I mean, you never know when you have to move, when, you're, when, you're, when your dad gets transferred somewhere else. And so you know, going from you know, being born in California to living in Germany to Northern Virginia, right, we're, we're moving around quite a bit. And so you're always having to adjust and pivot and make new friends and in some ways market yourself so people want to be around you as the new person. And I think that even for somebody like me as an introvert, you know, having to have that skill of being able to make yourself into a way that folks want to be around you when you're moving a lot is a, something that's had a big impact. And then probably for me, the biggest impact, uh, especially from a business perspective, but even life really has been, you know, my son. And so we had a son back in 2011. He passed six months later in 2012. And sort of that whole experience really changed my perspective on life. And he spent all but three weeks of his six months life in the hospital. And so we were right there the whole time. And sort of seeing, you know, him as a baby who doesn't really have much choice, still fighting to through all the surgeries and through all the different things to just try to live and then gave all he had until he couldn't anymore. And just having the experience of having to hold your child as he his heart beats for the last time, as he breathes for the last time, just has a has a way of having a major impact on you. And you know, it was tough at first to sort of move on from that. But as I started to get through the healing process and they would sort of reflect on life, that was just, that was probably the biggest life-changing thing because it made me really realize in a real way that life is precious and you're not always promised the next moment. And so don't spend time making excuses, just chase life and try to live life to the fullest. Try to go after all your passions and, and what makes you happy because otherwise, you know, you may never get a chance to do that. And that experience for me has kind of been life-changing. It's what helped me write a book. It's what's helped me launch the business. It's what helped me even consider applying for being on a reality TV show, right? Just trying to do everything you can to chase your, chase your dreams. All right. So I didn't, I didn't hear about this book. And what is this book? <laughs> Tell me about the book. <laughs> yeah. So quickly, I wrote a book. Uh, called My Heart Warrior. Uh, it kind of just chronicled Aaron's life and sort of the experience through the, through a father's eyes. A lot of times when folks go through heartache with child loss, rightfully so, they focus a lot on the mother who has really deep connection with, with the child. Uh, but sometimes the father's perspective gets lost. And so I just wrote a book that kind of talked about the journey as a father going from learning about the experience of what your child was going to have to go through to then living it and then what happens after that. And so he was born with uh, hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So you know, the book is called My Heart Warrior uh, Living with HLHS Through a Father's Eyes. And so I just wanted to be able to give a father's perspective and, you know, if he could help another father who might be going through something similar or other challenging things, then I wanted to be able to get that out there. And uh, it actually helped me with my grieving process. And if I hadn't done that part, put that down on paper and been able to grieve in that way, I would have never started the business. And so... That was a really crucial part in moving forward. Yeah. One, thank you for sharing this story about your son. And I should say, it sounds like I should thank you for writing a book like that. Because as you were describing your 
the experience you went through with your son, I was putting myself in your shoes and I was like, I don't even know how to process it. You know, like, cause my natural inclination is, was to think about my wife, right? Like what would she be going through and trying to be the best partner and going through this with her. She just carried this being for the last nine to 10 months. And I can only imagine like from a father's perspective, assuming that you care that much about your spouse and hopefully you do if you're if you're a father and you're married i feel like i'd always put myself second in that equation and i so i'm, I'm glad that someone like you is putting putting yourself out there and, and talking about how you dealt with it yeah i think it's really important just you know as you know men are conditioned sometimes to process grief in certain ways and it's really important for me to be able to just share it from our perspective and actually even tell say it's okay to cry like don't hold that in uh, and so yeah, that was just, it's a big part of my healing process to be able to do that. Yeah, well, that sounds fantastic. And we'll, we'll try to link to the book here in the show notes as well when we're done. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over this journey that you're on? Ooh, I would tell my younger self to make no excuses. Like when I reflect back on me as a young man, I did make excuses. Well, I can't do this because of this or, you know, I can't do that because of this. So let me just focus on doing this because that's what people expect we should be doing. So I probably tell my younger self, right, to pursue the business, pursue the things that you, you you want to be able to do to make you happy because in the long run, that's what's important. And I think sometimes as young men, I know me as a young man kind of lost sight of that and was focused too much on trying to do what was expected of me versus what could make me happy in the long term. That's great advice. So my next question is a little silly, but I really kind of like some of the tips and advice of things to go buy for myself <laughs> that people give me. So Gears, what's the most impactful purchase you've made for yourself, say in the last year of $100 or less? Hmm, that's a, that's a good one. I think for me, actually, and this might seem odd to some folks that, or maybe should have had it already, but in the past year, I bought a first aid kit to go in my truck. And the number of times I've needed to open that thing up to put a Band-Aid on when I was like out doing something and cut myself or needed that flashlight to do something late at night, right? There's just so many things that come in those first aid kits that are really useful. You know, you'd think that everybody should have one, but I didn't have one. And getting one for like 20 bucks was probably the most impactful thing just because I've used it so, so many times since I've had it that I wondered, how did I exist this long without having one in my truck? All the things that I do. Like, how did I do that without this? And so for me, that's probably the thing for me this in the past year that was under a hundred bucks that probably was really impactful. See, and there you go. Cause we used to have one in our SUV and we ran out of all the band-aids. I need to go re-up my first aid kit. So now I have the right thing I need to go do this afternoon. <laughs> so thank, you. <laughs> thank you for that. Two last questions for you, a little bit more marketing focused given our show. Are there brands or companies or causes that you're following you think other people should be taking notice of? Yeah, I think right now, particularly with all of the social unrest that's going on in this country, and there's been a lot more talk and a lot more focused on wealth inequality and, and income inequality and sort of the inequality when it comes to business ownership with Black businesses. And there's been a lot of movement to support Black businesses. You know, we've had Black Business Month, we've had Blackout Tuesdays, all these ways that folks are trying to find ways to support Black businesses. And it's not necessarily the single Black businesses out versus white businesses, but it's, you know, businesses that have been particularly underfunded, undercapitalized, not as frequently shopped at, but can provide big boost to their local communities is really important. And so I think that's a sort of a, a thing that folks could be paying attention to. And you know, one brand that I have been following around that is called The Nihilist. 
which is an online platform that helps you find Black businesses to support. And we joined up with Nile List when they launched earlier this year in March. And actually, our last public event was their launch party in March of this year in D.C. But they've been a real big part of helping us grow this year. Uh, just the Khadija, who who owns it, has been is really supportive of trying to make good growth for all of the businesses that are listed on that platform. And I know they've had some significant growth this year. So that's a brand that I think people should be paying attention to. And just sort of that whole social conscious spending that, that consumers are doing these days is another thing that uh, should be a key priority for folks going forward. Got it. That sounds great. Well, last question for you. What do you feel like is the, if you think about marketing, what is the biggest opportunity or threat that you see? Yeah, and it actually ties into the last question for me. And I think the opportunity and threat is how folks are marketing towards Black consumers and trying to show support for what happens, uh, what's been going on in this country. And I think that's a big opportunity because it's an opportunity to show a huge segment of our economy that that you think their lives matter and that their issues that they, they face on a daily basis matter, and that you want to be a part of that. But it's also kind of a big risk and a danger point because if you go, if you do it in a way that makes you seem disingenuous or like you, you're only doing it to chase new consumers or to chase dollars only and not in it because you really care about those communities, it can really backfire on you and, and make it to where folks don't want to shop with you and consumers don't want to spend those dollars with you. And so I think that is an opportunity for growth and could be some negative all at the same time, depending on how you how you proceed in that space. No, that's great advice. I lied. I have one last question for you. If there was Knowing that this show is reaching a bunch of marketers out there that probably work for you know big companies, all types and sizes, are there any brands or any companies or folks from those companies that you would like to meet to help your business? Yeah, so I don't you know know if it's a particular business, but marketers and buyers for some of like the major store brands around the country would love to be able to meet and engage with. You know, one of the goals of our business is to become a national brand. And so that means be on store shelves around the country to give consumers every opportunity possible to to buy some Mike D's barbecue products. And so and I think about some of the major, you know, retailers out there across the country. Like those are the folks that I want to be able to meet and engage with and just figure out a way that, you know, maybe we can work together. And, you know, and we might not be a fit for everybody, but just being the opportunity to meet and uh, make an impression on 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 those folks is would be who I would say to that question. All right. So I'll make the shout out. So if there's anybody from Target, Walmart, any of the grocery chains, or any big CPG players out there talking to you, Unilever, and uh, let's see who else. McCormick's, if you're talking about spices and rubs, you want to do a venture to help this guy out, get some distribution, contact Mike D. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't wait to see how the how the show ends. Uh, and again, for listeners out there, Mike's been featured on Discovery Channel's brand new series called I Quit. Mike, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.